Amen. Thank you, Lauren. That was beautiful. Be thou my vision. Beautiful. Well played. Join me in standing, if you would, for the reading of the Word of God this morning. We'll be in Galatians chapter number 5, and we have been on the fruit of the Spirit. We took a few weeks off for different things over the holidays, particularly, but uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, we've been talking about the fruit, which is singular, of the Spirit, and the many words that are used to describe that. These are characteristics, if you will, of the fruit of the Spirit, evidences that ought to be found in the life of every believer. And uh, I'll read, and you follow along, <coughs> Galatians five twenty-two and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. And our word for today will be the word faith. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do ask for your help. Thank you. Thank you. We have been, again, speaking on the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit's fruit, and this morning we're going to talk about faith. Let's pray one last time, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, please help. And again, we ask you to guide and direct our words and our thoughts this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible reads in Mark eleven twenty two. of course, we just read about the fruit of the Spirit, Mark eleven twenty two on the screen there in front of you, and Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith in God. You know, that's, uh, that's far easier said than done. But you and I, on a regular basis, we demonstrate and exercise faith. We do it... Uh, for, in fact, we have faith in a lot of people we've never even met wouldn't know if we saw them. If I give you the name Stuart Adams, it probably doesn't mean anything to you. How many of you know who Stuart Adams is? Stuart Adams was, in fact, he died this past year, but Stuart Adams was a scientist, a chemist. And uh, almost 50 years ago, in fact, more than 50 years ago, he came up with a formula that we know today as ibuprofen. You've never met him. You wouldn't know him if he walked in today, but you trust him. Probably just about everybody in here has trusted him at some point. He came up with a, a formula to reduce inflammation, and millions of people believed him and believe him today. It also, as a byproduct, uh, was a painkiller. And for the last almost 60 years now, you have been trusting a man you've never seen. Isn't that amazing? Robert McNeil was born in 1910. He died uh, nine years ago. And you probably don't know who Robert McNeil is either. Ten years prior to Mr. Adams, Robert McNeil developed a formula to try to reduce fever for children was his real aim, and he developed a formula for something called Tylenol. And now for almost 70 years, millions and millions of people have trusted someone they've never met. In fact, you trust him so much that particularly if you're a new parent, the first time you ever even tried to pick up that bottle of children's strength Tylenol, you read 
somebody's words about how to do it. In fact, sometimes you'll read them again just to make sure you've administered it properly. You've done exactly what the dose was. And you've been very careful not to do more than it says. And you sometimes, we even scroll down through all the precautions and sometimes wonder, is it really worth it anyway? But you read those words written by people you've never met. Designed and formulated by someone you would never meet nor recognize. And you know what you did? When you took those meds, you said, I have faith in Stuart Adams and Robert McNeil, though I've never met them, though I've never seen them. That's a real simple illustration, but you do that with everything. You do it with instructions and Especially this particular time of the year, we think about all the assembly that occurs, and especially with the smaller children. And oh, I don't miss those days of assembly, though I do miss the pitter-patter of little feet. Um, it's nice now with grandchildren, but man, I, <coughs> I can't tell you how many times I have started putting something together. And for me, I don't know about you, a lot of times I'll set the box up there and look at the picture. You know? And, of course, I want to make sure mine looks like that when we're done. And I always, you know, I wish they would tell you that you are going to have three pieces left. They don't always tell you that. You know, and it, it's, it's kind of like, well, I've got this washer, and it, it's, numbers, it's number 73, and I don't know what it goes to. And then, you know, what I find myself doing sometimes, and I've done this more than once in my life, I have had to go back and read the instructions of someone who designed something that I've never met, who put all these pieces and packaged them so well, and gave me a printed word to follow. And I believe him. This past week for Christmas dinner, we had some dear friends over, and, and they, they gave us a prime rib um, to, to fix for Christmas dinner. And my family bought me a Traeger for my birthday in September. When you all were giving me Cheez-Its, they gave me a Traeger. <laughs> I know who loves me. And uh, by the way, I still have three boxes of Cheez-Its for my birthday. I'm okay. Um, and uh, so they gave me a Traeger, and, and, and I'm not real familiar with all of that. My, my deal is Turn the gas on, ignite that baby, and throw some burgers on, and you're good to go. I don't care about the flare-up, but, but with a Traeger. How many of you have Traegers or pellet-type grills? Okay, a few of you. All right, I see. That's pretty impressive. With a Traeger, it's a totally different animal. And so what I did was, uh, you know, a prime rib is a nice cut of meat. You know, it's not like you're going to Walmart and buying the $1.99 chicken, boneless breast, which I still buy all the time but not a piece of prime rib. And especially since someone else paid for it. The last thing I wanted to do was mess this baby up. So I read every single recipe online I could find about prime rib on pellet grills. Every one of them. I called Robert. I don't know how many times. I probably bugged Robert to death because I know he's cooked a lot of different things on his Traeger. He's the one who made our, our, uh, our uh, 
pork for our uh, anniversary Sunday a year or so ago, and so I trusted him. And so he'd, he'd tell me, you got to do this and this temperature and this time. And I went up to the, the what's the store here in Sherwood? What's it called? Uh, what is it? Not Safeway, the, the Traeger Place, the Grill Center. Nothing against Safeway, sorry. But I went, I went to the grill center, and I told them, I said, this is the first time I'm doing this. Tell me what to do. And so they, they tell me. They had a recipe on a board. I took a picture of it with my phone. You say, why? I didn't trust me. I trusted somebody who's already done all that. So I followed all of those directions, and, and I got the, 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 the different rubs <coughs> that you were supposed to put on it. They have a prime rib rub and a coffee rub, and you're supposed to mix those together. And so I put those rubs on it. Then you wrap it, and you let it sit for 24 hours. And then you put it on, and then you flash cook. You all are getting hungry right now, aren't you? You flash it at the highest temperature for 30 minutes, and then you bring the temperature down, and you cook it for X number of hours, and it's supposed to just fall off. And I did everything it told me to do. And you know what? They were right. It turned out pretty good. Why on earth would I trust the grill center and not the Lord? Why on earth would I trust Robert McNeil or Stuart Adams, whom I've never met, and not trust the Lord? You know, we profess to be Christians, and I have no doubt or reservation to call you that. I I realize that probably in a crowd this size, not everybody is saved, but I'll take by your own testimony, perhaps if you would say so, that, that you are a child of God. I never make that assumption. But God said very plainly here in the verse that we just read a moment ago, Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. So the the first part of our faith is is you have to understand and you have to recognize that your faith must be in the right person. Now, we say that about a lot of things, but first of all, it's the only thing that matters regarding your salvation because nothing in this life matters other than your salvation. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Those two men were worth billions when they passed away, billions. I don't know their faith. I don't know their history. I hope they knew God, but all of their billions mean nothing to them today. This moment, they're in eternity. And there's no do-overs. There's no chance to make a different decision. The best decision you'll ever make in this life is trusting Jesus Christ. Everything else is big and important. I'm not minimizing it at all. But you can be wrong about a lot of things in life. But you cannot be wrong about eternity. There's no do-overs, there's no mulligans, there's no rethink and, uh, well, another shot and, uh, no, no, no. Your faith today must be in the right person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ regarding your salvation. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he hath saved us. You got to be born again. I was sharing in our connection group this morning talking about making a difference in the coming year. And one of the things, Jesus, when he, think about this, he has the 12 gathered here, and he said, have not I chosen you 12, and one of you is a devil, and none of them ever figured out who it was. When he told them at the, at the last occasion they're together, that this night one of you would betray me, they began to ask, is it I? They had greater confidence in their brethren than they did their own faith. I don't say that to cause concern or alarm or cause you to question. I'm just telling you this morning, you must be born again, and you better know that you know that you know that you know that you've been born again. 
If anybody ever asks you, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die? There should not be a pause for a second. There should not be, well, you know, I hope so. There should not be, well, I, you know, you know I, I grew up in church. There shouldn't be a, well, you know, my parents this. Your answer ought to always be emphatically, yes, I placed my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ, and it is through faith alone in Him and His finished works, and I'm not getting to heaven by my good works. I'm not getting to heaven by my good deeds. I'm not getting to heaven by being baptized. I'm not getting to heaven by being a church member. I'm not getting to heaven by placing a a tithe envelope in the offering plate. I'm getting to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me 2,000 plus years ago. You say, why do you say that so emphatically? Because as we close out 2019, as we close out this decade, I'm going to ask you today, who's your faith in? What are you trusting? What do you believe? And your faith, my faith, it must first of all be in the right person. During the uh, famous Blitzkrieg in London, there was a story about a, a gentleman and he was, he was overseen. And of course, they had the air raid sirens going off and everybody knew that... Uh, uh, once, the, once the wardens would uh, sound the alarm that all lights had to go off to try to limit the destruction and try to uh, hide and, and, and conceal any areas that might be bombed. But there was a man who, who was overseeing an apartment building, and they had an area near them that was subterranean where they could hide during the air raid. But his young son was with him, and most people had left, but there was a, during the shelling, as the planes were going overhead and he was hunkering down with his son, they didn't have time to make it to the air raid shelter, to the bomb shelter. And a bomb struck right adjacent to the building and the flash from it instantly engulfed the structure in flames and the gentleman was thrown out of the building and his young son was just behind him. And there was so much smoke and fragmentation and just the flames were just hurling. And he looked out in the front yard and he saw a giant crater that had been created from the blast. And he threw himself into that crater and he cried to his son. He said, come, jump to me. And his son cried out. He said, father, I can't see you. And he said, but I can see you. And so jump to me. And his son did in the midst of that explosion, he survived, and they both lived through the war. You see, in the midst of that horrendous scene, there was so much going on, he could not see his father. You know, a lot of times in your life, there's so much going on, you feel you can't see him. But if you can trust Stuart Adams for ibuprofen, you can trust God. If you can trust Robert McNeil for Tylenol, you can trust God. And it doesn't matter what's happening. And and though you may think, yes, but right now, I feel like I'm in that crater. And I feel like there's flames and there's smoke and there's all kinds of debris and fragmentation. And I don't even know what's going on right now. But I'm going to tell you this. Your faith must be in the right person. As you end 2019 and as you step into, if God allows us to get through this week, there's no guarantee of that either, by the way. As if God allows you to make it to 2020, step into that new year. Step into that new decade saying, listen, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy, that means completely lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. My hope, my faith, 
my trust has to be in Him. You know, as we end this year, some of you, some of you had some heartache. Some of you had some disappointment. Some of you had some tragedy. Some of you had things come and you didn't see them. And by the way, 2020 will be the same. The world never stops for human tragedy. Job said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. We're born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. I wish I could tell you that everything's going to be smooth sailing for the child of God. But by the way, you never know the strength of your vessel until it goes through a storm. You don't know if a ship is any good when it's sitting in a dry dock. You don't even know when it's calming on a, on a, on a, on a sea of glass as if it were flat and smooth. You know how good that vessel is when the waves start roaring. The tempest comes upon you and the waves begin to break against your bark. You know then, this is a good one. I know I can trust. I I don't know necessarily who built it, but I have great confidence in it. And such is the case with the Lord Jesus Christ. Your faith must be in the right person. Then may I say this further. Secondly, Faith is the only means of salvation. The Bible tells us, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I realize we have a number of visitors here today, and I'll tell you this, I said it earlier, but you're not going to get to heaven any other way. You won't get to heaven through a church. This is a local church, New Testament church. It called out assembly, ecclesia is the word, of, of believers, and that's... that's That's God's plan, God's pattern. But by joining and aligning yourself to a church, and you ought to be, you ought to be be entrenched and connected and laboring together with a group of believers wherever you're at. You should be. We talk about it from time to time, but I'm throwing it out there. You You ought to say, this is where God has placed me, and I want my time, my talents, my treasures to be put into a place that is serving God and has a vision toward eternity. You ought to be part of that. But if you are, that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. It just means you're obedient to the gospel. If you get baptized, it's a wonderful thing. We have several waiting to be baptized. We'll baptize probably in the coming weeks. Several that have come to Christ, some that I've led to the Lord, some that others have led to the Lord. But that doesn't get you to heaven. It doesn't complete or finish salvation in any way. In fact, if you're lost and you get baptized, you come up wet lost. That's all it is. What it does is it says... I'm identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's all baptism is. I use the example, it's it's a wedding ring. My wife gave me this more than 30 years ago. It's always safe to say that number when you're not sure exactly how many, and you kind of forget. You'll be there one day, you know, when you get to the place when you walk into a room and you don't remember why you came. Anybody there? You know, you, I, I know I came to get something, so I'm going to just kind of retrace my steps and go back where I was, and maybe it'll hit me. Why am I here? Some of you might be thinking that right now this morning. But this ring doesn't say that I'm married, because I'm married with or without it. But this ring lets people know that, that, that I'm with someone. That's what that does. It is an identifying mark of a connection that God brought together more than 30 years ago. And when you get baptized, that's what it is. It says, hey, everybody. Now, you don't literally say that. And I suppose it wouldn't be out of order if you chose to. But it simply is saying, 
This is me identifying with what Christ already did. So it is, it is significant and it is important that your faith is in the right person. But then secondly, you've you got to realize it's the only means of salvation. I, I can't explain it, how salvation works. I mean, I, I can try to explain it doctrinally, and I know what the Bible says, but at the end of the day, it is really akin to picking up, I don't pick up a bottle of ibuprofen the same way I pick up the Bible. I have greater comfort and confidence in the author of this than I do Stuart Adams or Robert McNeil. But I got to tell you, I've trusted those boys a long time. I really have. You know, I, I, I don't take them a lot now because now you read all the precautions and do not take for longer than 10 days. Consult a physician. If you need this, and you know, and if it's persistent stomach problems, you know, you, you stop this and you're thinking, dude, I'll, I'll just stick with feeling lousy. You know, I don't want to feel lousier. Is that a word? I'm not sure, but I, more lousy. And so, you know, I just, I'll just try that. But with the Word of God, I, you know, I, I may not be able to explain it all, but I can tell you this. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life, and no man. Boy, that's not fuzzy, is it? That's pretty clear. No man comes to the Father but by Him. I know that I can only get to God through faith. The Bible tells us, Hebrews eleven six. What a what a wonderful verse it is. But without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible. Not, not maybe I can, not some way to work around it, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, I can't do it any other way. You say, well, faith is kind of hard for me to understand. I know. I don't have my head wrapped around it all the time either. But I trust. Sometimes people say, well, I don't have dying faith. Well, you probably don't need it right now. You're probably not dying. You'll get it when you need it. By the way, I'm not just saying that. I believe that. You say, how do you know that? I'm not ready to die yet. At least I don't think I am. I know I'm ready because I know where I'm going to go when I die. But there's still a whole lot of stuff on my bucket list. I tell you, it's a barrel. It's not a bucket. But I've sat with people who were dying. <coughs> I remember sitting next to a gentleman in the hospital room, and his family had gone to, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning. And he was all on tubes and lines coming in and out. And they said, it's a matter of time. I said, I'd watch. They went down to the cafeteria to get some coffee, something to drink. They'd been with him for days, kind of waiting, anticipating him to leave at any time. And I'm sitting there at 2 o'clock in the morning. To be honest with you, I'm half in, half out. And uh, not sure what that was, but anyway. Um, half in, half out, 2 o'clock in the morning. He raises up in bed. I have to tell you, I was a little bit freaked. Okay? And uh, he looks, turns and looks at me and he says, Brother Mason, he said, I've seen the other side and everything's going to be okay. Laid down and was gone. I'll tell you what, that gave me a little bit more boost of faith. But that wasn't me, that was him. And, and when he, I mean, he was gone. The alarm started going off on the machines, and, and, and he had passed away. He'd gone into the presence of the Lord. I mean, as quick as he laid down on that bed, he was with Jesus. Can you explain it? Nope. But I believe it. More than I do Robert McNeil and Stuart Adams. 
Because I believe God who spoke the world into existence and gave us the marvelous redemptive plan from the foundation of the world, the Bible says. And and, and I can't explain all of that, but I know that my faith is my only means of salvation. I reviewed it with my grandmother a week before she passed away. My wife and I were were home just for a few days from California when when we were working down there in church ministry right after we were married. And I I remember... (coughs) being with her, and she was kind of coming in and out. I'm, my grandmother might have been the best Christian I ever knew growing up. And uh, I can remember walking into the house so many times and seeing her with her Bible open on her lap. I've wondered many times through the years if I ever made it out spiritually alive, it'd be because of the prayers of my grandmother. But I remember being with her. She was in her 90s, and she, I hadn't spoken to her in days. She was just kind of in and out. And she, she tilted her head to the side, and she called me, and she said, do you hear them? And I said, hear what, Grandma? She said, you don't hear the music? She said, you don't hear the choir singing? I said, no, I don't hear anything. She said, oh, they're singing on the other side. She said, I'm getting ready to join them. And it wasn't too much longer, she was gone. You see, sometimes in this life, you think, well, I need that faith that comes at the end. Well, you're not at the end yet. And you trust him. The Bible says that God's grace is sufficient for thee. His strength is made perfect in weakness. You say, do you believe all that? If I could believe Stuart Adams and Robert McNeil for Tylenol and ibuprofen and the Grill Center for how to do a prime rib, I think I'm in pretty good hands trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you today, who are you trusting And then thirdly, may I say this, the Bible tells us in James chapter 2, I have 15 points, we'll only do this one. How's that? If the Lord will stop me, this will be the last one. James 2, 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. So we understand your faith must be in the right person, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand, secondly, that faith is the only means of salvation, but thirdly, Faith is supported by our works, our life evidence. Do you know the way I live proves what I believe? I think that's just my opinion. And opinions are like armpits. armpits. We all have them, and most of them stink. I understand that. It's my opinion that a good percentage of Christians are practicing atheists. If I ask you today, do you believe everything the Bible says, and you claim to be a Christian, you'd say, yeah, sure, of course. But then if I really put us to the test, and by the way, I'm including me, I'm, I'm on the table here too. Don't, don't ever think, pastor, let us have it. If pastor's letting you have it, trust me, the Holy Spirit's working this guy over too. But many times in our life, we say, yeah, I believe the Bible. Absolutely. Every word, cover to cover. Every jot and every tittle, whatever that is. I heard somebody say it a long time ago. I believe it all. Yes, hallelujah. But you prove what you believe by how you live. For instance, I, I believe that Diet Coke 
is the nectar from heaven. No, I believe that Diet Coke is probably not very good for you. Some of you, that's the only time you've said amen in church. Okay? All right? I've had several of you tell me, Pastor, that's not good for you. And I don't come around you and say, well, that's not good for you. I think it, but I don't say it. I know, I've had people tell me, Pastor, do you know that Diet Coke causes cancer in laboratory animals? And I always tell them, do I look like a laboratory animal? And, and I realize that's probably not a nice thing to say. And by the way, don't reply to that either. That, wasn't a, that was a rhetorical. I, I don't want you to say, well, yeah, now that you mention it. I, I, I realize that it's probably not very good for me. You've already said amen. You don't have to repeat it. But do you know that until I stop drinking Diet Coke... How much do I really believe that? Because here's the deal. Even though I believe what you're saying, yeah, you know, my, my mother-in-law is always telling me I, I, what I shouldn't be drinking, or she tells me other things too, but, but I mean, she's, and she's, by the way, looking out for me, I have a wonderful mother-in-law, sweet as can be, and she's fabulous. So I, I'm not telling any mother-in-law jokes there. But many times she'd say, Stuart, Sometimes she'd say, Stuart Lee. I always know I'm in trouble when Lee follows Stuart. It's not even my middle name. Sometimes she just says, no, I'm kidding. It is. So when she says, Stuart Lee, it's the same way when I heard it from my dad or my mom. If they, my dad usually, it was funny. He'd go through all the names until he got to me. There were five of us, and he'd just start rolling down. And I, if I ran fast enough, I would never hear my name by the time he got done. But so sometimes when my mother-in-law would say, Stuart Lee, I'm telling you, that's not good for you. But I don't really, really believe it until it causes change in my life. So if I, I, I'll just throw a couple things out here. If you believe you should tithe, you'll tithe. I don't have to preach about it. I, I, I don't have to say two or three sentences before we take up the offering. It'd be a no-brainer because the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I think this, and, and so we start offering our exceptions because I think if I drink Diet Coke and I drink enough water, it'll flush it out. So see, what I do is I detox and retox. The detox is the water, and so I think if I, if I drink enough water, it just kind of flushes it all out, and I won't be too graphic there. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, but the retox is going back to the Diet Coke. Because I think I'm probably the exception. Or I know how to manage it. And I'll be careful. I won't drink so much. I won't take it out of a can because a can's worse for you than a bottle. Or if I take it out of McDonald's, it's twice filtered water. So that's even better. That is a silly illustration, but you know it's true for how the average Christian lives when it comes to the Word of God. You throw every exception out there you can possibly think of for the things that go against your grain. Go yonder all the world and preach the gospel. Yeah, I know. That's why we have missionaries. Train up a child the way you should go. I'll let my kids decide. You see, the Bible's not filled with suggestions. It's not like God said, 
I'm going to create the heavens and the earth, and I'm just going to fling it out there and see what happens. Theistic evolution would have you believe that. God created the heavens and the earth, and he took a stroll, and he hasn't been back since. And whatever it all turned out after that, so it's not on him. That is not the God who spoke the world into existence. He is moved by our infirmities. A God that is moved by your infirmities is aware of everything that's happening in your life. But when God's word is clear and plain to us, my faith in him for salvation. Oh, yeah, Pastor, I got, I got, that's a no-brainer. But what about, hear me now and I'm done, your daily life? How you live, with whom you run, the things you pursue. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Yeah, I, I, I believe that, but here's how I explain it. My Diet Coke may catch up with me, and I'm trying to do better. In fact, I told my wife, January 1st. It's always great, January 1st, isn't it? January 1st. So what are you doing? I'm, I got seven at home waiting. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get one today, I guarantee you. But January 1st, and I'm not trying to see just how much damage I could do in the next three days. But I'm talking to us as believers. Let me ask you this question. What would God have you to do in your life? Well, I know I got saved and I ought to get baptized. Well, why don't you? Yeah, I know I probably ought to join Timberline, but I like just kind of coming. You know, because am I stepping on toes? It's, it's kind of like this, because, you know, if things don't go well, I know there's a step back there. If things don't go well, I can always just kind of scoot out. I don't want to be too committed. I, I know I should give, and God and I, we have an understanding. So that tie thing, I just, you know... I'll catch up later. And I've only hit a few things this morning. Chances are the Holy Spirit has mentioned something to you that has been so clear in front of you for the last six months, last year, or even years of your life. Your faith is supported by your works and our life evidence. If you were put on trial for your faith, Would there be enough evidence by people who know you to bring a conviction? Or would it all be just circumstantial? Faith. Your faith must be in the right person. It is the only means of salvation. And our faith is supported by our works, our life evidence. Who do you trust? How do you live? Shall we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Nobody looking around, just quick and way of invitation. I'm going to ask how many of you would say, by now, I know for sure that I have personally placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't have any doubt on any question. I know there was a place, a point in time when I said, God, forgive me of my sins, and he is my Savior. Would you lift your hand up just very, very quickly? God bless you. Many, many hands. You can put them down. Not everybody raised their hands. And again, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I wouldn't call you down. I won't come back to you in any way. 
But if you couldn't raise your hand because you weren't sure, then boy, the last Sunday of 2019 is a great opportunity for you to trust Christ. Would you do that today? You could do that right now by realizing and recognizing four things. Number one, you're a sinner. And I'm not indicting you. The Word of God indicts each and every one of us. I'm a sinner too. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned. I got to recognize that. That's the first thing. Secondly, I got to realize there's a penalty for that sin. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. I realize that that payment's already been paid by somebody. That's the third thing. Jesus paid it all. The Bible says that God loved us so much, God commendeth his love toward us, Romans 5, 8, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe here this morning you realize, yes, pastor, I'm a sinner. Yes, there's a penalty for that sin, but someone already paid it, Jesus Christ. The fourth thing is the most important. You've got to be willing to accept and place your faith and trust and say, listen, if I can believe Robert McNeil and Stuart Adams for ibuprofen and Tylenol, I dead sure don't want to leave this life without placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, you're not sure about eternity, would you lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me? Just very, very quickly. Nobody looking around. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. That's four, four adults have raised their hands. Hey, listen, here, here's what you can do. Is there anybody else? Anybody else say, pray for me. I'm not sure. And maybe I wasn't clear, but I, I do want you to make sure of eternity today. I'll ask if we could have a, a couple men and ladies ready and available who, who could take the word of God if you'd be handy so I could have somebody down here. But I'm going to invite you that raised your hand, four adults. If you're not sure, in a moment the piano is going to play, you'll have an opportunity to respond. I would invite you to come. Listen, the best decision you'll ever make is being sure about eternity. Then secondly, may I say this, for those who say, boy, I know I'm saved, but God spoke to me about something very, very clearly. My life is not supporting my faith, and the evidence is not all there, and God has spoken to me very clearly about some things, and I've ignored them long enough. And today, I want to make those things right with God. Would you lift your hand and say, God spoke to me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Many, many hands. Many, many hands. Lord, would you bless now in the invitation. Help us to be obedient to that which we've heard. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the piano plays, would you mind the Lord and say, come right now. Listen, if you raised your hand, that's a great thing. But you kind of cement that by taking the step out and come and saying, Listen, I want to make that right. I want to get that settled. I want to know for sure. Ashley. So I I, I don't want to have a question. I I don't want to have any reservation. I don't I don't want to wonder. I don't want to hope. Jesus paid it all. The song she's playing there. When before the throne I stand in him complete. Jesus died my soul to save. 
my lips shall still repeat. Sing the chorus with me. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Well, that's the truth, and that's the, that's the power of the gospel. Thank the Lord for that. Thank you very much for being with us today. I, I hope you've had a, a wonderful holiday season, and... Uh, is the live stream off, guys? Are we, are we off? Okay. I did want to mention, because several of you have asked uh, uh, about Jen and the girls, uh, they'll be coming back to Oregon this week. Uh, my wife and I will pick them up Wednesday at the airport, and so they'll be with us, Lord willing, in our service on Thursday. ask you to continue to be in prayer for them. Um, it, uh, you know, they, they've basically been away since, you know, Andy passed away. And so you all have been very, very kind, very, very gracious. Robert, come on up if you would. Um, And uh, thank you for that. Uh, Some of you have asked about uh, the the offerings that were collected. We're very, very close to being able to uh, cover everything. Um, And I think we will eventually be able to cover all the expenses for them. And very, very glad to do that, honestly. But thank you for giving. And uh, you be be in prayer for her and the girls. and uh, just need a lot of prayer, a lot of love, and you all have demonstrated that very, very much. She has uh, told my wife and I on numerous occasions she can't wait to get back to her church family. Uh, I was talking to Tony yesterday. You know, I, I can't imagine what it'd be like to go through anything in life without the family of God. Uh, it's one of the greatest things about belonging to a church family is uh, comfort and help during very difficult times. But uh, thank you all for your continued faithfulness. Hope you have a great week and uh, a happy and safe new year. Don't forget our schedule tonight, 5 o'clock. A couple of our young men from Bible College will be preaching. We'll have the ministry workers meeting immediately after that. And then this week on Thursday, Noah Wana. Uh, but we'll also have some college young men speaking as well on Thursday night. Uh, if you're here as a guest, make sure you stop by the front desk as you exit today and drop off that connection card, we got a gift we'd like to give you, as well as a Dutch Bros gift card uh, that my wife will get out to you this week. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Robert, please dismiss us in prayer. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be in your house, dear Lord, as we close out the year. Dear Lord, I pray that you take us into uh, 2020, dear Lord, with a uh, energized spirit, dear Lord, for... Uh, for your word, dear Lord, for obeying, obeying, dear Lord, thank you for our pastor. Thank you for all that uh, uh, you do through him, dear Lord. Thank you for it. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we go about. Bring us back safely tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.